Hey gang, Paul here, the host of the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast. I have an amazing guest I call Rev Carla. She's I'm like a fan for this podcast today because she's one of my favorite TikTok creators ever. So I can't wait for you to meet her. First, let me tell you about our NPE Patreon community. If you haven't joined yet, what are you doing? You got to be a part of it. You get to be a part of our NPE private Facebook group. You get to to hear the Joseph Comes to Town audiobook series. That's just for the very basic entry-level fee itself. If you go up to the $12.99 a month level, you get a free autographed copy of the paperback version of my book and a whole lot of other cool things to all the way up to getting a chance, uh, not a chance, getting to have a one-on-one spiritual counseling time with me each month if you go to that $100 a month level. And those, we only have a limited amount that we offer. So I want you to go join. Go to pastor-paul.com and that'll take you to my podcast website. In the upper right-hand corner, there's a join the Patreon button. You can click on that. If you're on a device, you're going to have to go straight to the Patreon website, patreon.com slash NPE podcast. That's the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast patreon.com npe that slash npe podcast i screwed that up let me say it one more time patreon p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash npe podcast can't wait to see you as a part of our community now i can't wait for you to ju- to to meet rev carla carla comstra is an amazing woman a minister that she calls herself a spiritualist not necessarily a Christian, and says God is not contained in religion. That may be a hard statement for you to hear, but I want you to hear her heart, how amazingly she loves people, and how she's ministering to people with this thing we're just learning about called religious trauma. You want to learn more about that? Listen to this podcast. It's amazing. You're going to be blessed by it. So stick around and listen. This is the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast. We talk to Carla Comstra, Rev Rev Carla, next on the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast at npepodcast.com. For those willing to listen, learn, and have eyes to see and ears to hear, this is the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast. I could stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody and I wouldn't lose any voters, okay? Challenging the mindset of right-wing Christianity and encouraging people to have their minds renewed and hearts transformed. What knucklehead, mush-for-brains evangelical leaders are trying to, uh, to overthrow Trump. It's a special kind of dumb and calling yourself a Christian. Let's have better conversations about the life modeled in the Bible so we can truly tell the world God is not mad at you. This is the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast at npepodcast.com. So welcome to the podcast, everybody, this week. I have a guest, and I'm almost like fanboy today because this is one of my favorites. When I first, you may not know this, Carla, this is Reverend Carla Camstra, and she's Rev Carla on TikTok. And you were like my first TikTok follow, I think. And I've only been in the TikTok world for, I don't know, six, eight months but really, you were my first follow, and I just loved seeing your stuff. So I just wanted you to know that before I introduce you. So I'm a big fan here talking to you today. <laughs> I'm honored. <laughs> so Camstra, that's right. I've got your last name right. Yes, yes. Reverend Carla Camstra. She's an ordained 
interfaith, I can't even read my own writing, That's uh, your okay. interfaith minister. And tell us more, you have uh, some mantras, a little bit of how your faith and spirituality and how you're ministering to people. Sure. I'm honored to do that. And I'm honored to be here too. I was, it's so refreshing to find content from people who would be labeled progressive clergy, but I just consider us kindred spirits. So I don't need those definitions for us, but that seems to be what people are doing. They're putting us all in a bucket and I'm fine with that. But I'm an ordained interfaith, interspiritual minister. And for the longest time, even I left off the interspiritual because interfaith was enough. That was a little jarring for people to say, wait, what is that? That what denomination is that? And it's not a it's not denominational. It's but it's also more interreligion inter if you want to look at one of the mantras that we used inside seminary was the, the truth in all religions, the wisdom in all religions. And that's actually hanging up on, on my wall in my office because we believe that there are many sacred paths to God and they're all valid and each religion holds some element of truth to that. As my grandmother used to say, we all have just a little bit right, meaning we all have a lot wrong. <laughs> <laughs> the inner spiritual part just says that we can also find those paths to the holy, to God, whatever name that you give this divine presence, this universal mystery that can be held, that same sacredness can be found outside of organized religion. So, in my experience, as I navigated away from evangelical Christianity, which is my religious heritage, I found myself on the spiritual but not religious path. So, that's where I am and that's the path I hold. Now, as far as my taglines, that's what I say, spiritual but not religious is a sacred and valid path to the divine. God is big enough to share. Religion does not own God. It's being gay is not a sin. So, those are my big ones. I, I also say spiritual but not religious. It's a thing. So, those are the big ones. And that's what I've built my platform on to keep it simple for people. And also, the, the other one that I, I protect vehemently, especially when I talk about it on uh, TikTok, which is the religious trauma aspect and how important it is to guard uh, those who are seeking healing from any kind of spiritual abuse or religious trauma. And we know we're talking to those people, as I know you are as well, and several of our allies in this work, because of the comments and the stories, the way people are willing to show up in, in that vulnerable space and tell their story about the hurt that they're carrying, and they're ready to release. So, that's a big part of what I do. Yeah, and I think you do that great, and that's what I really love about your content. But let's talk more about how you got here first before okay. we go deeper into that. So, where were you in life? You said you had a, an evangelical religious heritage. Where were you in life when that started to change, and what did that journey of change look like? Even now, I'm having awareness of how long ago I was spiraling out of of Christianity, what I call organized Christianity, because like I, I still hold on to my even my my Christian roots, even though people try to kick me out of the club. <laughs> there's no one person or rule book that gets to do that. So we get to hold on to that identity as we find sacred and holy. And I still do. My relationship with Jesus has changed, but it's still there. So I can honestly say that even as early as nine or ten when I was questioning, when I desired to know something on a different level, those felt 
the felt characters on the felt wall where we're talking about Jacob and going on, I w- not, that just did not hold my attention. That was all too trite for me. I wanted to be in the adult Flannel graphs, I think I, we There you go. Those. That's Flannel what they graphs. were. Flannel graphs. They just, <laughs> I just thought, what is this? This is so oversimplified. So my, but my grandmother, being the devout Southern Baptist that she was and being also an intuitive, which she probably would never have used that those words in her time, saw that in me. So she saw that it wasn't just a desire to be with her. It was a desire to understand this. So, I was in Sunday school with her. I was in church on Sunday nights. I was there. Remember the Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night Bible studies, the the revivals, the tent revives. We're talking about the hills, deep hills of Kentucky, where those revival came. And I was fascinated by those ministers that came through. And I can remember some of those sermons of those times. I just gobbled it up, but it ended up having a lot of questions, things that didn't align for me. So, when I started to push back in the inconsistencies, the things that I was told was I had a a doubter's mind. I I had a weak faith. I wasn't uh, trusting the leadership enough. And so, then I would try to dive deeper into it because I wanted to accept that as a challenge to show them that I could be what they were saying, I, that I wasn't what they said I was. So, instead of rejecting it, I would dive deeper to prove them that, no, this isn't about d- d- uh, doubt of faith. This is about, I'm going to prove you wrong. So, I would, de- I would dive deeper only to be uh, bounced back more. I just, I never caught on until the very end. When I'm in my I'm in my fifties, I'm in my I'll be sixty in October, so this has been going on a long time. I gave Christianity a lot of chances, and at the very end, I could I I finally came to the realization that the God I was finding inside this religious path was being contained to in a small box. And even though that can serve others, so that's my experience, that's not a judgment on anybody else's, it did not fit my spiritual journey. I was being called out to understand God in a different way. So, that same God who traversed me through this experience, I really believe to assure me that once I was ready to spiral away from it, I I would be content. So, even though the people who would say, you just didn't find the right church, you just didn't have the right leaders, you just didn't get your questions, you asked the wrong questions, those people who dismiss, that doesn't, I understand where they're coming from, but that also doesn't trigger me to try to defend my journey, that I knew in my heart that this was going to be my path, that that this Christianity was leading me to the spiritual but not religious path, and even though I am on a firm foundation with my Christian heritage. At the young age of 54, around there is when all of this happened. We're not talking, people are often shocked when they hear, no, we're talking just several years ago where I left and found myself in that proverbial spiritual wilderness, which because I had my heritage with my grandmother that was I understood that this could be sacred territory. Some people will find themselves, and I know this anecdotally as I prepare the, my content for my videos and, the, and the, teach, the things I write, is that proverbial wilderness is a real scary time for people, and that's where they give up. 
That's where they, because they are still filtering some of their truth through their belief system, which convinces them that they just lost a conduit to the holy. So how can we catch them? Pastor Paul, how can we catch them before they hit and give up? And so that's what I think the work that we're doing here is so sacred because we're we're building that bridge between when they decide to give up, when they leave, which the statistics tell us they are, and they traverse into this unknown, but they're still filtering some of that belief that tells them they just lost a conduit and they believe it. But But the pain is too much for them to turn back and try to find it inside that the, the way it's it's constructed inside religion. But I intuitively knew it. So I went on a journey and went to study biblical studies. And then I went to study world religions. And that's where I really And those are at Christian universities or at- Yes, at first at first it was Indiana Wesleyan. And then I went, wait a minute, I know this stuff. I've been cycling through this my entire life. But I still was, again, that belief system. I left church, but I was still seeing it through that belief system. Like, no, this isn't it. Then I went to Arizona State University. Great online studies, by the way. And the first class, the first class had me on my knees in tears. Because even though I knew it, I needed to hear it. And when I did, I lost the last, that last bridge just collapsed. That could have maybe had me turning back to fake it in the pews. I no longer had that choice. And so, even though it might sound trite to say I lost my religious Santa Claus, that's really what happened for me. Because then, now I'm in it. And now I know what I always knew to be true, and I needed to dive in. So I did, and I studied, and then I went on to seminary, and that's where I found my interfaith seminary. I'm sorry, I turned off my phone. It's okay. This is is what we do these days. Yeah. We all have dogs or kids or something going on in our Zooms. Yes, (laughs) that's true. So that's how I ended ended up here, even though... I knew I was being called to a ministry. I didn't even know what it was going to what it was going to be. If anything, it was it it could have been the period on my journey of spirituality. I wasn't sure what this was going to end up end up being. Hope you're enjoying Rev Carla. Isn't she cool? Isn't she cool? Let me remind you about the things that happen through the week with our community, the nonpartisan evangelical community and the old Pastor Paul TikTok pastor community. Saturdays and Sundays, we have lots of fun together. Saturday morning at nine, I do a Bible chat where I take a portion of the Bible and break it down and say, here's what I see that is saying and how we apply it to our lives. Then at 1030 Pacific on Saturdays, Ashley and I, my wife, we get together and we debrief life together and some of you have found that to be really helpful in sort of debriefing your own life along with us and we take your comments and we answer questions my wife is an amazing woman she was a two-time republican elected mayor of our city she is a prayer she just can't get enough of praying and connecting with the god of heaven on behalf of other people she loves people like nobody else i've ever known and is excellent beyond belief i'm married way up so that's 10:30. i get together with her and we go live on tiktok and youtube every saturday morning and you can follow us there and then sunday morning on zoom and on tiktok live we get together for our spiritual gathering if you're looking for 
I hate to call it a church because sometimes that has a bad connotation to us. But if you're looking for a faith community, you can hang out with us online through Zoom or through TikTok every Sunday morning. For more details, go to my website, pastor-paul.com, and click on that events contact button, and that'll give you all the details. Pastor-paul.com, events contact button, and come join us on Saturdays and Sundays as we get together each week. Now more with Rev. Carla talking about her ministry to people outside of religion, but through spirituality. Hope you're enjoying it. Hope you're getting challenged by it. Hope you're getting changed by hearing this amazing person right here on the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast at npepodcast.com. So what does God look like for you now in your life? I, th- I think probably one of the hardest things for me was to, for the longest time after I left Christianity, and I'm very quick to point out evangelical Christianity, I couldn't say God because I didn't understand it. But all I knew was that the God I had found was too hurtful and judgmental and punishing and even dehumanizing. And so, it controlling. And certainly he didn't like women very much, right? There you go. Exactly. <laughs> I couldn't say it for the longest time. And I, I tell this story, but on the last day of our retreat, before we are to be ordained, we have five or six hours of silence. And I had picked up a lot of practices from meditation in the Buddhist tradition and the Hindu tradition and listening to those musics and the meditation music to go around that. But something else was calling me during that time. And I pick up my playlist and there were the old hymns that I had in my playlist and I hadn't listened to those in years. And I pressed play. So, we're talking an hour before I am to be ordained. I sat and I listened to those hymns again. It's going to make me cry. And that's okay. I rediscovered my love for the God and Jesus of my heritage because what I had, what hurt me was human's definition, not what was my truth, my experience. And I fell, I fell back in love. But I'm also willing now to release God to be what God is in the universal form. And so, I'm very conscious of how I describe God. Now, every once in a while, I'll still go back to a patriarchal language because it's there. Just I'm from Kentucky, so every once in a while, a hill which you climb to get up to the top becomes a heel. So it's still there, but I try I, that part of being an interfaith, interspiritual minister means that you try to hold that space that invites everyone to that universal experience. So ten years ago, that would have felt very foreign to describe any, anything other than a literal description of God. And now it, that would feel very restrictive and judgmental to do that. So, yeah. the God that I have is yes. 
That's good. Yeah. I have that conversation a lot with people because I've dabbled and journeyed into all of that and even had my atheist pagan period of life. But I just kind of tell people now, I, I understand it's a socialization, but I just can't help but see the God that I knew as a kid that, I, that like I fell in love with. So is it okay if that's my picture of God and live with that? And I find that most people are pretty accepting as as long as, like you say, I think we've just got to get to a place where, where we can say God is big enough to find us where we are. I, mm-hmm. I don't know that we have to come this one particular path. I think he's going to find us. He, Absolutely. there I go. Right that, and, and, and that's okay. That's not a trigger word yeah. for me at all, okay, <laughs> because I understand what you're saying. And yeah. I, I do think that on this side of spirituality, where we understand the expansiveness where we allow language that necessarily wasn't part of our religious heritage, it's still, we find comfort in those definitions. It helps us just define that. But outside in this expansiveness of spirituality, you'll still find militant views. You'll still find the kind where, no, you can't do that. You must reject that. And you want to be careful about walking that that line. And I think especially as pastors, we're called to a higher level of examples on what that looks like. And and that makes me, and I I don't mean that from a place of calling God He, as far as saying you can or can't do this. What's your truth versus what's mine? And in the end, we end up in the same place. Yeah. And I don't know why it's just beautiful, I think, to be able to love each other enough to say, I'm going to I'm going to be where you are and when we're mm. together. Amen. And so if me speaking of a patriarchal God hits a, hits a traumatic place for you, then why wouldn't I accommodate that and, and be yeah. willing to just let God be what's going to make us all feel safe together? So I love that. And, and so I do want to talk, you, you talk about ministering to people in religious trauma. So how are you seeing that? What does that look like? And are you seeing a lot of it out there as you're ministering in the some in the TikTok world and in the world outside of TikTok. Yeah, so before, right after I was ordained in 2017, and so I started doing a little writing online, but not a lot, not real intentional, just as I felt called to write something like, oh, look, here's a writing, go post that. But the primary thing that I did was spiritual, what I call spiritual care. And I'm very careful about the language I use around that because I do not want to minimize what therapists or licensed counselors or anything do. But there comes a point in people's life where sometimes the spiritual crack in the armor allows for a place for you to come in when something in life's not working anymore. So, they, I would be that safe space. So, I always considered it like triage. When you're in an ER room, the job is to get the, the patient stable to move them on to the experts. And that's what, I, that's what was my job. I knew my limitations and I stayed within the realm. So, a lot of times, the people that I worked with would then move on to work with a therapist. So, often, that's what I did was the one-on-one. Then, on the larger scale, when I started talking about religious trauma in my videos, I have to say that I have been even humbled by the response. And especially when we talk about our LGBTQIA brothers and sisters and the condemnation and the dehumanization that's happened in the name of Christianity, in the name of religion, there's many per- across the globe, much persecution for, for those humans. So, I have been 
surprised and I think almost embarrassed that I did not know how bad it was. And on the other side of that, that the number of people who did not know that was an, even a thing, that they knew that they had rejected religion, but they didn't know that now they had a definition for it. And depending on where you are in your life, most of us have some kind of trauma. How we deal with it and how life triggers us is a very important aspect of what we should be aware of. So, if you then add religious trauma onto that, then you're just laying a layer in another level of trigger that needs to be worked through a licensed therapy program. But sometimes spiritual care, again, is that first aspect to give you permission to say this hurts and it is impacting the way I show up in my world. I am not able to process my life. So, you'll see me get more deeper into that now that I consider in these marketing terms, Pastor Paul, where I'm learning as a boomer, it's what is this and what does this thing do? I don't want this. I don't want this filter on my face. I'm okay with being seen with no makeup. <laughs> All these things that I'm trying to always learn. I've been in this, what they call the like, no trust phase. And that if you've been on TikTok for about six or eight months, you are in that as well. And you're walking it beautifully, even though you don't know it. And it's that time where people just get to know you and trust you. And then there comes a time for you to go a little deeper. Mm. And so, I've just hit that. And I think you can see it. You can sense it in the, my messages are more direct. My, my words are more candid. And that is needed. We cannot be afraid of what that's going to look like if people see that as critical. Because what I always say is, I'm not going to let you stop me from talking to the people who are hurting just because you're offended that you're the one who hurt them. Mm. And I'm talking to them now. So, I keep that in the back of my head when I get a lot of pushback on some of these videos. And you'll see me be more vocal in my comments when I push back. And that's intentional as we start to make sure that these people feel who have been hurt by or, or organized religion and are, are carrying religious trauma, know that they're seen and they're safe and they're loved and they're heard. So, I mm -hmm. think that's something that we have, we have a gift here on these larger platforms as your platform is growing as well to hold those spaces and, not, and, and do it in a way that shows the sacredness of what we're doing. Hmm. So, that's what you'll see me get more direct about some of the things that we talked here specifically and then also how to start healing it. But there will always be an element of some kind of licensed mental care. This is not about me putting on a cape and saying, I have all the answers. I can just point you to some resources. Right. Yeah, I'm just finding that people need us to say, you're okay. Yeah. And we're sorry. And, and I don't, I, I really, I still have a lot of friends that pastor evangelical churches. And sometimes I feel sorry for them because they're like, Paul, you're being really mean to us. Just like the law keepers came to Jesus and said, hey, you're insulting us. And then he insulted them again for the next seven verses or so. But I don't, I, I think you said too, like, I didn't, I haven't realized the pain that we've caused. I, I haven't realized. And particularly, say, with the LGBTQIA plus crew, uh, people and just the real damage we've done to that group of folks in our society. But even a lot of older millennial young women now are saying, hey, that purity culture, those purity rings, those dress right, 
were really damaging to young women. And so I am finding that it's important for somebody like me to say, gosh, we're sorry, that was really wrong, what happened? And then try to talk to my evangelical friends and say, can we stop? Let's just stop being so hung up about sex, maybe. Let's just start there and not be so hung up about these things. Maybe we'll stop hurting people. And truly, I think, Rev Carla, that that Christians think they're not doing it. They think they're loving. But when you get out on this side and look and see, and I was a senior pastor for 10 years, and I've been out for two now, you just start to see the pain that we're causing people. That is very revealing. And I'm I'm honored to hold that space as you process some of that. And I see you, and I don't say this lightly, because you, you have some mega pastor, like a church pastors who have moved on to some very influential careers as they process some of the damage that they've done and now moved into a place where they're trying to heal some of that hurt. So, I think you are in a very opportunistic role that I no longer have. Most of my access to the evangelical uh, community has been cut off, and I struggled with that for a while, but I'm okay with it because I did, I'm pretty much spiritual but not religious. An ordained interfaith minister is going to be pretty much a line in the sand for anyone who's looking at me and wondering what my journey is. But without sounding too argumentative or I don't mean to be like shocking about this, but I do think that there is a day of reckoning that's coming for Christianity. And I don't think that's not eschatological in nature at all. We'll stay away from revelations and all that, all the end times uh, conversations. But what I do believe the data that we have a very fast decline in the people who are identifying with the Christian heritage here in America. And the fastest growing group of people who are, grow- who are identifying as the spiritual but not religious and now claiming it, not afraid to say it, those are s- statistics that are quantifiable. So, just saying that the reason I left is because I'm spiritual light or that I just refuse to hear the truth, that is not going to cut it anymore. And there's going to have to, there's this entrenchment into sticking to like the three or four of the dogmatic beliefs where humanity is moving on past it. And if you just look at, if you just go back a few hundred years, folks, and look at how religion has changed, religion has evolved, including Christianity, then those could be, that's going to be the hill that you die on. And I, and for the longest time, I had a hard time using one of the books that during my spiritual wilderness, one of the books I read was Christianity Must Change or Die. And I had, I hid that book because I didn't want to believe it. I didn't want anybody to know I was reading it. And I don't, I think this may be in the first, 2020 must have been the first year that I said it out loud. But now I believe it. And I'll be, people who want to accuse me of being anti-Christian need to hear this. That would break my heart. I believe that religion has its place when it's about nurturing the soul and not manipulating the soul to perpetuate the institution. And so, you I just wish that the ideal, the people who are in charge, if you're listening out there, <laughs> it is okay to 
evolve. It's okay to, re- to release things and still be relevant and yeah. still do things that could really change lives and nurture souls. So I hope that becomes something that happens. I, I don't know if it's possible. I just want to affirm what you're saying. I think you're so right on. And how I read Jesus and the story of Jesus has changed so much over the last few years for me. But I think he was saying the same thing you're saying. I think he he came and said, see, this religious system, it has to go. This system has to come to an end because now it's a bondage on people and I've come to set people free. So he pointed at the temple and said, not a stone of that thing's going to stand on top of another. And then we see in the book of Hebrews this, hey, that had to go away. It, it didn't set people free. It didn't give people a, a great connection to God. And I think Jesus was like, hey, I came to just say, you get to hang out with God. That's it. You don't need this religion. And so I think we're exactly there. And I, so I'm with you. The church organization, as we know it in America, I would be sad to see some of the traditions that I loved and grew up with go away in the next generation, but I actually think they have to because they, they just, I've just seen it as a leader wanting to build a different church. When we get inside those walls every Sunday, four Sundays a month, it, in America particularly, it just draws us to this norm. And now that's a political as well as a religious norm. And we're seeing the outgrowth of that. I do think it's going to have to diminish and is naturally going to diminish because the millennials are just saying, now I'm good. Don't need it. So I, I totally affirm what you're saying. And I think it, there's also a, a, pro, a there's a little promising for me that how many of us we boomers? I'm assuming you're a boomer. I'm right on the edge. I'm okay. 65, so they, I'm I'm either X or boom. I'm uh, by, okay. depending on which list. Okay. So yeah, I think you're X. My brother is right there, but I'm born honored, in 65. I'm, honored, I'm not yeah, 65. I know. Either. I knew what you meant. <laughs> I knew what you meant. But I think there, I'm. I think I'm often surprised at how many of us, as as hard as it might hear to hear this word, awakened. These woke souls. It applies. There's a because there is a a coming to Jesus moment. I'm sorry, I'm filled with cliches all of a sudden, <laughs> but there really is, and, and honestly, can't point to one time that it happened, uh, that said, okay, this is it. If this happens, then I'm done. It was always happening. And I think for many of us, I do think that there's many that's, because I hear from them all the time that I, I can't leave the church because what will my family think? So, you still have a lot of people fake it in the pews, but I, I think that generation, generationally, I am surprised at the number and I'm, I'm heartened by it, that there's so many that are in the boomers and the millennials that are part of this, this voice that says that things must change. Yeah. I'm impressed that you have made that journey at the time in life when you did. That says a lot about you. And what I love, and I'll edit in some videos for people when we show this, but you are like creative and crazy. And like you said, <laughs> you're willing to do some pretty outrageous things to to just entertain us as well as love on us with your TikTok. So, how, how did this TikTok thing evolve for you and you become such a major TikTok star? Okay, so one of the wisest things I did when I felt like, okay, I'm going to try to create some kind of online presence and ministry, if you will, 
I did have a PR consultant who was helping me and we created a strategy for Facebook and Instagram and the website, your, your traditional things. But here's what's really crazy. When you talk about those spiritual nudges, just it was as powerful as what I heard the call to ministry, go to TikTok. Okay, I've heard this before in my life. I don't know what this is but I'm going to go try it. So it wasn't even part of the plan. And I'm telling you, we're talking a plan. It had many pages. We walked it. We did it meticulously. But I said, okay, I'm adding this column that's called TikTok. I don't know what I'm going to do over here, but we're just going to go, we're going to do it. And they're like, okay, we know nothing about it. So you just go do your thing. And then all of a sudden, I think, I don't remember how soon I had my first viral video that's now over 3 million views I, I, so I learned by trial and error, a lot of Googling. Okay, now how do I make that ghost effect? Oh, that doesn't look good. And just the, the one thing I knew, the one thing I absolutely knew is, because I do have, it's funny because I have people who request, can you teach us TikTok secrets? Oh, good Lord, no. <laughs> you do not, I can tell you what not to do, but, but there, that being consistent, that, but I knew that. Yes, I have a passion for animals. And yes, there was a time where I was amazing cake, a wedding cake decorator. And I'm thinking, oh, that will be fun to show. Nope, nope. I'm staying in this lane because this is what this is about. There's something working here. It is definitely trial and error. If you could see how many of the video, failed videos are in my drafts. <laughs> And it's work, and I know that. It's, it is a lot of work, but it is, it's part of, I see it now as part of the sacred activism, the sacred ministry. So it started to shift from something that was just like, this will be fun, let's see what happens. Oh, can I learn that dance kind of thing to wait, something's happening here. And I don't quite know what the defining moment was, but to the point where I see this is a sacred, powerful ministry. And so every once in a while, I've, I've never told anyone this. Oh, here we go. But I'll go through, it's going to be another one of those emotional moments. I'll go through my followers and I'll just scroll through them and I pray. And I express gratitude for their presence. And I hope that whatever I'm about to post or say heals them, helps them heal on their healing journey. Yeah, that heart comes through. It's wonderful, <laughs> wonderful. Yeah, I, my story is very similar. I just love your heart. You're making me tear up here too. <laughs> I, like you say, what's that spiritual nudge? In our tradition, we would say God told us. We, we feel like heaven speaks to us, to our soul. And so I've been doing social media strong for a few years and Facebook and Instagram. And the night before the election, November 2nd, I told my wife, I said, I think I've been taking a jackhammer to hard pen. And I think I'm going to get to move to richer pastures that are easier to till. And I, and so I told her, I said, and I think what that looks like is moving from Facebook to TikTok. And I had six TikTok followers at the time. <laughs> <laughs> and so that was on a Monday, right? The election was Tuesday. So Thursday, I open up TikTok when I get up in the morning and I'm like, something's wrong. Honey, I told my wife, something's wrong. 
it says I have 2,200 followers. This has to be wrong. <laughs> and I had done a video, just like you said, I, d- I did a video on why I didn't vote for Donald Trump or why I wasn't going to vote for Donald Trump or whatever it was. And that thing had taken off and it's just crazy. And so I went from six followers to 3000 in a snap. And so you know how it goes from there, but I have, I'm with you. I feel like there's something, and I know it's supposed to be Chinese and they're stealing all our data and all of that, but (laughs) there's something really special about the generation on TikTok. I love the creativity of all the young people on there and So I do. I think God may have prompted us both, whatever that looks like spiritually, to go to a place where there is a really rich pasture for working with hearts and seeing great things happen in people's lives. And with that, I'll say amen. And one thing that I also (laughs) notice that I find reassuring and affirming for what we're doing is sometimes I'm just It's you post a video or someone else. It's, I just got that message. I just did that. I hope they don't think I'm copying from them because I got that message too. And now it's, you know what, I'm just going to go with it because I I do believe in that, that same kind of mystery, mysterious, mystical, divine connection that's speaking to us in ways that we don't understand on this side of heaven. And I believe that goes out. And if we're listening, then we get it. And... I also think the other reason that I I think this is working, it's not just a whim, if you will, that we're getting the followers that we are, because look at the comments. Look at your lives. I'm sure your DM is filled like mine is. People are, they are interested. They have questions. They're hurting. They want paths. They want direction. This isn't just a place for them to, to look at the old people doing entertaining them they are here to be shepherded yeah this is a pastoral care yeah the the christian blogger author rachel held evans i don't don't know if you know rachel but she passed away a few years ago but she her book searching for sunday the line that always got me in that was she talked about how when you're in a church community, if you're sick, people take care of you. And if you have a baby, people bring casseroles over to your house. And as they told their pastor, they were leaving their church when she just finally couldn't stay in anymore. As they were driving away, she said she just lost it. And and she said, who's going to bring us casseroles when we have a baby? And I think that's the space that people like you are filling And it is emotional because, yeah, the messages I get from people that are, they've had a a death in the family, particularly around COVID time, or a young lady the other day that said, I I have terminal cancer, and they don't have that faith community to turn to. It's a big honor and something I don't take lightly to be able to say, hey, let's come around this person. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. it is, it's really special. And I think it's something special that's happening in our society. So, it's really cool. And that you would go to learn dances to make (laughs) To draw people. And I'm sure you get this. I sometimes hear, oh, you're just trying to get followers or you're just trying to get famous. But yeah, we're trying to spread this message and I love it. Yeah. The first time I got that comment, it did get me. It tripped me up. And then I realized that it's those comments, 100% of the time are coming from people with 10 followers. And (laughs) So that there is a there's a sense of you got to consider the source and and that's where especially for someone who did 
who is on a healing journey to recover from religious trauma, because I know I still have mine there as well. And I'm constantly making sure that I'm not filtering something through a, a toxic belief system. And, Oop, there it is. Did I just doubt something about my path? What am I doing? But what I see there is the very thing, we have the very thing that they wish they had. And so I understand the jealousy. I understand that they're going to lash out. And so that comes from a place of longing and they're not processing their own their, their own envy in a healthy way. Yeah. But it, the, the first one, it was like, what? No, I'm going to write a, I'm going to do a 14 part <laughs> series on why I'm not doing that. And then, okay, wait, let's pause and give that some spiritual reflection and contemplation and figure out, okay, what did you, what just triggered you to want to lash, to protect that. And from a, there's a couple of things going on for us. First of all, now you have an intrinsic value inside your audience, and it is our responsibility to protect that. So I do have boundaries about, I, of course, I allow dialogue. And you see the pushback that I, I get. I'm sure you're yeah. getting the same. So it's not about or about that, but my walls are really high and the moat is really deep. So if you want... If you're going to hit certain things, you're going to be just blocked out because I don't have time to deal with your toxicity. Because that's not, I can't take on one-on-one -on -one care with you. I can see what it is, so I'm just going to remove you because I've got to make sure that the people here feel safe, seen, loved, and heard. So, you know, it, it, that's a good test for us in our own physical vessel. What is it that that just triggered in us? But. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think we have to be protective of the souls that we're, we're bringing in that do have that trauma. And absolutely, I do find I, I try to be kind. I, I actually did a video yesterday where I told a guy to take his Bible and shove it up his ass. And <laughs> My followers loved it. And so I just felt it was time. It Guys, just was time it. to really tell somebody I, what well, I thought I, about I got to make a note of that because I missed that video. So I'll have to go find it. Yeah, you, check it out. You've seen some of my videos and I don't know. Yeah. Uh, in the comments, I'm certainly pushing back with a more candid flavor. <laughs> I'm not tolerating, I'm not tolerating it. So, yeah, yeah. I, I think that is absolutely within our sacred right to... What, whatever it takes to create that boundary that we need to continue to minister to the people we need to minister to. We're no longer, it, I'm not speaking for you, but in my experience, I say, make sure I'm not trying to put the same rule book over my spiritual journey that I rejected from that. And sometimes it still wants to be there. No, you can't say that. You can't curse. You can't use swear words. We know it's different now. Yeah. Yeah, I think for me, I just try to check in. Am I trying to win the argument now? And, yeah. and that, I don't want to get there because right. that's when my heart is not being healthy in it. But if I truly think, hey, I am, I'm protecting the rest of the gang here, then I feel, I, Jesus was pretty catty with some of the guys. So oh, I feel, yeah. <laughs> I <feel pretty laughs> there you go. Good. <laughs> well, I love what you're doing. I appreciate that you reached out and we got to connect. And uh, so it's just, it's fun to walk this walk with you. And I'm learning from you and watching you and admiring you. And so it's been, it's really fun to connect. And I appreciate you sharing some of your journey with us today. It is an honor to be here. I am honored to be called a colleague.
and a, and a fellow TikToker. <laughs> I'm honored too. So tell where do people find you? You can find me at Rev Carla with a K at on TikTok and Instagram as well as Facebook. And my website is RevCarla.com. Awesome. Carla, thanks for hanging out with me on the podcast today. I'm honored. Thank you. 